Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. All right, we are back once again. It is another week. We are here on Tuesday for In the Huddle. My name is Jason. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason, and I'm joined here with the man, wide receiver one, Miles Gorham. How you doing? How you yeah. been? I'm good. I'm, I'm cracking, good. man. Tired, but I'm hey. good. Hey, man. You know, you know, for at least the next couple of years, that's what life is going to be. And uh, Dave. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Dave, you, you you seem surprisingly sober today. What's going on, bro? I just started. <laughs> okay. I'm only partially there. Oh, there it is. There it is. Dave, All lives right. in, Dave lives in it now, though. That's what that's what the Vikings do to him. He yes. just lives yeah, in, yeah. in that constant state. <laughs> yes, keep me pickled. Hey, yeah, you guys man. have a great show. I'm going to pop off and be behind the scenes. All right. Well, uh, we'll call you in if we need you. And uh, as we're getting going, what's up, Mary, Daniel, Arthur, Jeffrey? Uh, Kwong, G-Mac, I like the name there, G-Mac72. Oh, somebody let Matt Anderson in here. We need better security. <laughs> Steven, oh my goodness, love from Australia. What's cracking? How you doing? Let us get into it. I'm not sure why I'm smiling. I'm just, you know, loving being on, seeing the crew. Been a little bit since I've been on here. But now we got to talk to Vikings. So, uh, yeah, Miles, it feels like we've been talking about this pretty much the same shit all season long when we get into talking about this team. But uh, I wanted to get into it uh, something that, that you'd mentioned in, in one of the group chats, just kind of about accountability when it comes to this team. I think we spent a lot of time talking about the on-field product, talking about um, you know how people are playing. But there was something that really struck me uh, from Kirk's press conference when he was kind of talking about the series that, you know, many people are pointing to as the pivotal series where, you know, Barr gives them great field position. They have a chance to maybe do something, drive, win the game. They go three and out, and there was that play where it looked like they could have shifted protection, done something different. Kirk could have audibled. And when he was asked about it, Kirk really talked about it almost as though he was just kind of an employee. Like, it was just like, well, this is the thing that happened, and like, yeah, what am I going to do about it? Um, and yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on it, because that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and you played a lot more football than me, so I'm trying to understand, because it looked like protection could have been shifted, somebody could have gone hot. Like, can you maybe walk us through that play, walk us through Kirk's press conference, and like, give me your thoughts, your perspective on what the hell went on there, and the lack of accountability from Kirk Cousins there. Yeah, I, th- I think to start with it, uh, I think it was Sage Rosenfels and NJR, our, our, our very own or former former uh, friend of the show, uh, former you know co-founder uh, JR Jordan Reed. Um, they both talked about. Um, so f- first, I'll start with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins said that the center has um, protection responsibility, which that's not an uncommon situation to have. I think a lot of times you'll see uh, a lot of teams give their centers those responsibilities so that the quarterback can diagnose the defense and kind of read what's going on while, while the O-line can be handled by the center. And then the quarterback in turn has veto rights. So Kirk has every opportunity as he's ready to snap the ball. If he sees something finicky that that's weird based off the protections that the center calls, he can change those calls. That's a hundred percent on the quarterback. If, if, if he saw ahead of time that there was a free rusher and they, and they had too many, 
too many guys on the right, on the right side of the of the line, and they didn't have enough people to account for the left side of the line. That's on the quarterback, in my opinion, because if you because the quarterback then becomes responsible for the free rusher. Kirk doesn't want to be responsible for a free rusher, especially if he doesn't have somebody to check it down to um, as in in, the, in a in a hot game. So um, in those situations, there's a couple couple options I think should be able to happen. I think Sage Rosenfeld said it perfectly. Um, shift the line protection back to the left because um, you had too many hats. Uh, you had enough hats. You you had enough hats to cover everybody if if the protection was called the right oh way. Um, and in that same in that same vein, I think he could have also just motioned Tyler Conklin over to the left side of the line, um, right outside of Christian Derrissaw, and they would have had a um, um, everyone accounted for. You, you didn't even have to completely shift the. Um, shift the uh, protection, just move the, move the tight end over and have him, have him block the guy in front of him. Um, but I do think the guy in front of Conklin probably had man on him. So there might've, he might've shifted with him. So in that case, then you just shift to the left, you shift everybody to the left, right? So um, uh, JR also mentioned in this situation, if, if you're not going to account for that free rusher, give Justin Jefferson a different route. So Send send Justin Jefferson or even Adam Thielen somebody on a go route. Jefferson specifically because he's got more room in the left side. Um, send him on a go route because if you're going to do that, all you got to do is hold the safety and at least give Je- Jefferson a shot. There's no shot like pre snap, post snap. There's no shot here to do anything with the lack of protection, the 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 line protection, and then Kirk not taking command of of creating something for himself in terms of giving somebody something like. Imagine if he told Tyler Conklin to run a quick, uh, a quick hot route or uh, Dalvin Cook to run a quick hot route instead. Something to account for that free rusher if they're not going to move, uh, switch the line protection. So there, there's got to be something there that your quarterback needs to take control of that offense and make a decision on, on how to make this. If, if he doesn't agree with the play call, make something work here because the quarterback has the free reign and opportunity to make, to make something work here, and, and he just didn't do it. And putting it on – his backup center to say, well, he's got the responsibility. So, you know, my hands up, it's not me guys. It's, it's on him. He kind of, you know, I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but I'm just letting y'all know. Like, I like I'm with you, Jason, that just doesn't fly with me. Like take some accountability, hold yourself accountable to what you can do and what you can control. Because we've talked about this. Kirk's been in the league for 10 years. He's now been in this offense. He's had a different off- offensive coordinator, but he's been in this offense for three straight years now. So, if he doesn't have a command of this offense, I don't know what to say because how does he not then have or is not advocating for himself? Like everybody does, like most people do at their own jobs. If you don't advocate for yourself, you're probably not going get, to get more opportunities. If Kirk's not advocating for himself, who he's the highest paid person in the organization outside of the, the, the Wilfs in the, within the Vikings organization. So uh, what's going to happen if Kirk changes that play? Are they going to fire him? Are they going to release him? Nothing's going to happen to Kurt. He might get a little slap on the hand by Zim, but if it works, Zim's not going to care. So I, I just think at some point, Kurt's just got to take control a little bit. Even a little bit. Before we move on to the next thing, let's give a shout out to David. You know, stepping the game up here, putting in some video into the broadcast, getting some tweets up there for us. Dave, I'll put you back on the spot here. Uh, you got the Zim clip? Because this is I one do. of those situations again where you know, Mike Zimmer kind of had the, the opportunity to maybe have Kirk's back or give him some cover. He kind of opted yeah, to Mike, not I do that. Pro- 
Give me one second. And okay. Here we go. Yeah. Shout right, out Mary. to Deshaun. What's cracking? There he is. Oh, he just looks so mad. Hey, Mike, uh, this is probably a question in hindsight, but on the third and eight in overtime on your guys' lone offensive drive, you know, the Ravens lined up like they were, like were going to show blitz, and they were a pretty blitz-heavy team. You know, Kirk said after the game that the play called was for longer developing routes. What's the structure, I guess, or I guess your thoughts on his stance to audible in that situation or to get a, a, a shorter route if it's, if they show the blitz, what's sort of your thoughts on that? Yeah, he had he has some options uh, there. Uh, you know, the protection was turned the other way on that one. And they had a free runner coming off that off that weak side. Um, yeah, could we have been in a better place? Sure. Um, you know, that's that's part of it. But uh, you know, that 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 series was disappointing to me because I thought you know we had a chance to get some momentum. Bar made a great play on the interception and and. Um, you know, we we didn't do much with it there, and, and and actually, it's right after we went down to score. Uh, you know, the the possession before to to uh, tie the game. Yeah, there there it is. Like Zim, saying, I love that from Zim. Yeah, yeah, I I love it. Uh, and so I guess yeah, Miles, I, I I I cut you off there, but like go ahead because Zim had an opportunity to to kind of be like, oh no, maybe it was on us, maybe give Kirk some cover, and he was like, nah, bro, like you had some options, you have some power in that situation, use it, and I guess early in the season a lot was made of Kirk and Zim, like they're hanging out, they're buddies, they're watching film together, they're doing all these things. We had that PR campaign running for there a little while. Do you think all that's dead now? Like, are, are we back to the Cold War like we were earlier in the season? Because Zim was not having it. I think it was always dead. I mean, I, I think it was just for show. <laughs> I think if, if you decide in, your, in the fourth year of, of a, you know, of being together that you're going to start developing a relationship in the fourth year because you weren't willing to do it years one, two, or three, I mean, it was dead in the water before then. So that was just saving face. They were, they were both, they both saw the writing on the wall going into the season and said that something needs a change. I mean, I guess good for them for recognizing it, but I mean, I don't think – probably a little too late, too little too late. But the one thing I love from Zim there is he didn't, he didn't throw anybody under the bus directly. What he did there is he left it open to the idea that my offensive coordinator could have called a better play, but my quarterback also has control of this offense and has, has the authority to make changes if he needs to, if he sees fit. So if Kirk – if Kirk comes, like, we can always say, Stefan, like, it's uh, not Stefanski, uh, Kubiak. We can we can continue just to pile on Kubiak. Kubiak's not ready. He's in over his head. That's fair. That's, those are all fair assumptions to make, and we're seeing it before our eyes. Like, those are fair things to say. But in that situation, you also have a veteran quarterback who should also be able to help out your offensive coordinator at times because your offensive coordinator still still, he's new, he's young, he's getting his feet wet. So if your quarterback, your quarterback can help elevate your offensive coordinator so that he can Kirk could, be, could make Clint look good at times. He just doesn't seem to be willing to do it. And so I just don't know what to say at this point, because if Kirk's ne- like the first four, four years in Minnesota, I don't even want to include Washington because they did their own thing. But in Minnesota, if he's never going to take control of the offense and, and run it himself and the, and the, if the offense isn't going to run through him, and it's just going to continue down this road, then we're not really what – what are we doing here? Like, what are we expecting? Because you see all the – we talk about – like, I saw people a few weeks ago telling me that Kirk should be in the MVP conversation. For what? 
Kirk doesn't run his offense. Kirk's not like, and that's not. I will always say Kirk's a, a very good quarterback. That I hate that we always have to debate this because that that is what it is. He is a very good quarterback. So I'm done saying it. That is what he is. That's a good thing. But he has opportunities to elevate himself and elevate his team and take games over and take the offense over and take control of it. You see all the elite quarterbacks do it. All often, like Lamar Jackson, of course, Kirk Cousins isn't Lamar Jackson from a, from a physical standpoint, but Lamar, the ball is always in Lamar Jackson's hands. And he, it's always, the offense is dictated through him. And yes, I know that he has the ground game as well, but overall, the offense is dictated through what Lamar Jackson controls. Kirk Cousins, they can do that with Kirk Cousins. I mean, he doesn't have, like, Matt Ryan does it. Matt Ryan's not an athletic quarterback. Like, you see all these quarterbacks that can take control of their offense. Why is Kirk either not allowed to do it, or why is he not stepping up and advocating for himself to do it? Because at this point, if he's seeing the writing on the wall that Clint Kubiak's not getting it done from a play-calling standpoint, take over. Start take start taking control and command of that offense and say, all right, let me let me – let me get this two-minute drill. Let me see how things can go here, and let me run the show because you're a 10-year vet making $35 million. So what do you have to say? Because uh, Daniel, he's not all the way there with you. He's uh, he, he, he wanted maybe a little bit more from Zim, feeling that like now we got Kirk and Zim being a bit passive-aggressive in the way they're dealing with this thing in the media. No one really saying things directly, but also no one fully accepting responsibility for, for the way things are going down. Like, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think Zim's. I think Zim has mentioned before that Kirk has autonomy to make some decisions. Now, to the extent of what the decisions are, we'll never know because nobody will ever tell us. But from what I can gather, and what I know from at least some degree, like of course timeouts. Every quarterback should have the autonomy to call a timeout if they need to. I think that should that should never be a oh it's only the court only the coach. No, no, no. That's that that's a cop out from Kirk. Um, from a play calling standpoint, though. That much we we don't fully know, but that's the part I'm I'm struggling with. Daniel is the fact that Kirk needs to be advocating and stepping up and saying I need more autonomy and more responsibility so that I can take I can take control of that. Why wouldn't he say it? Like I I, I, I Zim I think Zim is trying to trying not to throw people under the bus because like yes Zim has control of the team. Like I'm not. I tweeted this after the game. We don't need to cape for anybody. Zim's at fault. Clint Kubiak's at fault. Kirk Cousins is at fault. Rick Spielman's at fault. We don't need to cape for any of these dudes no more. Like, there doesn't need to be this, oh, the pie chart, the, you know, 30% here, 20 No, they're all at fault. Like, you can judge it how you want to, who's who's more responsible than the other. But they all share that whole pie. So, at some point, they all need to start taking their own accountability and responsibility for what they need to be, like, to handle. And for me, the offense is Kirk because Clint, Clint Kubiak's proven he's not probably it right now. And so that means for me, your quarterback needs to start taking control. And if he, if I don't, I just don't believe, I, I feel like Zim's the type of coach. If Kirk walked into his office and said, Hey coach, let me take, let me take control of whatever, like the, the, the two minute drive before half, or let me take control of, of these certain situations. I feel like Zim would like those types of things from his quarterback. I feel like Zim would love, his quarterback to take charge in those situations. And again, I'm, I can't say that Kirk has never done it, it, but it sure as hell does not feel like he has. But to the point that you made earlier, like 
you 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 hear about it from some other players in the league who they just do it because at the end right. of the day, like what's going to happen to them? Like the coach might get upset right. about it, but they're the quarterback. They make more money than the coach. They're probably more important than the coach if they're a good quarterback. So like the coach can be upset about it, but ultimately like what are they actually going to do other than say like, please don't do that again. You know, thanks for winning us that game, but don't do it again. Like you, like, right. It, it, it's one of those things, but I guess, you know, kind of going full circle with it. Part of, like you mentioned with Lamar Jackson, like Lamar Jackson does take it all on himself. Like they run everything through him, but that's the good and the bad is that when it goes well, it's Lamar right, Jackson. Right. When it goes poorly, it's Lamar Jackson. And it seems as though like when it goes well, we're like, Kirk seems to be okay with it being Kirk when like, you know, it's Kirk, right. Kirk Timber and we're, we're lighting up teams and all that other stuff. But like now it's like, eh, well, you know, maybe that wasn't me. That could be yeah. somebody else. It's like to quote you with it. It's like, I just work here, you know, like, yeah, I'm not in charge. Like I just work here. Like, what do you want from me? Like, I can't make those decisions. Tall timeouts. What do you mean? I just got to the <laughs> NFL 10 years ago. I don't know how those things work. What, I have to do what with my hands? Like, this is strange. I'm not sure how this whole thing works, which is baffling at this point, given that, you know, he's a 10-year vet making all the money that he's making. Um, right. But I guess, you know, to recap the game, let's talk about it a little bit because obviously it's a broken record for us as Vikings fans here. But the Vikings did what they've been doing, which is looking like a competent football team early in the game. Uh, Deshaun was at the game. Like we talked about it after the fact, Lamar Jackson seemed to have no idea what was going out there. They had him completely confused, uh, with what they were running on defense, the Vikings offense for a little bit, for a little bit. There was, 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 was humming out to a two score lead again. Yep. What was it that you saw shift as that game moved along that allowed the Ravens who were thoroughly outplayed, it felt like, for really all of the first half of that game to be right there in it going into halftime. And then we actually get a solid special teams play to start off the next half. And even with all of that, like, yeah, I, I, I was actually confused when I rewatched the game. Like, how is this game so close? And then, oh my, okay, how are they winning now? It just didn't actually make sense based on what, like how the game had actually started. I guess, what were your thoughts on like, what happened there? Like, where did things turn for you um, when you were watching that game? I think things started to turn when the Vikings, when Cameron Bynum had that interception on Lamar, and you got a chance to go up. They were up uh, fourteen to three at the time. They were up fourteen to three. There was like four minutes left before half, and the Vikings have a chance to go up twenty-one to three on on Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, and they ended up letting that one go and getting three points. And then in turn, Lamar Jackson turns around and, and they score a touchdown right before half um, to make it a one-score game instead of a two. Um, that, to me, is where the momentum shifted because the the one thing that the Vikings don't haven't been doing against good teams is putting them away. You got – no lead is safe against Lamar Jackson or, you know, some of these elite teams like when you're playing like a, an Arizona or when they start playing Green Bay in, the, in a few weeks or – you know, if they if if Dal if Dak had been playing for the Cowboys, like no lead is safe against some of these elite offenses, right? And so, if you have a chance to put your foot on the throat on a team, you got to do it. the The Vikings have yet to do that to any team besides the Seattle Seahawks, and 
that one seems like an anomaly at this point because every other game has come down to the literally the wire. So where I'm struggling is like Zim actually I was impressed with like the the special teams calls to to the fakes and 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 to like continue drives that we haven't seen from Zim this year. Zim decided to go into the game with a little bit more of an aggressive mindset from we need to win this football game. And I'm all for that. I because you saw John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh's done it all season. I think people want to make it make this idea that it was against the Vikings, so of course they're going to do it. No, John Harbaugh all season has been making decisions to fourth and short. Basically, no matter where on the field, he's going to go for it because he he trusts his team and he trusts he trusts what the numbers tell him for what for how to win football games. And you saw you saw the Ravens do that on Sunday. And I'm not saying the Vikings didn't have some of those instances as well, but the consistency from the Ravens to do that. Um, as often as they do is, is it pays dividends in the end. And the other part of that I wanted to mention is Lamar Jackson, the Vikings had Lamar Jackson um, pent up in the, in the pocket in the first half. And I thought they did a really good job of flustering him, making him, you know, question where he needs to go with the ball. And the one thing that they sacrificed though, with that, with the way they played Lamar Jackson is they sacrificed the flats. And so when you sacrifice the flats, you're basically telling Lamar Jackson you're either getting the the flats or you're getting nothing. And when he he dumps it out to the 300 pound fullback and he starts running people over those types of momentum plays, they come to bite you because he, when he gets a full steam, a full head of steam on, on a, you know, on a, I don't know, Eric Hendricks, who's 225 pounds, you know, on a safety on the cornerback, he's going to run those guys over. And so uh, there's that aspect of it. The Vikings, Rightfully so. I don't even blame them. They continued to say, we're not going to let Lamar beat us in the, um, with, with the way he scrambles and, and those things in the passing game. We're going to force him to hit his checkdowns. Lamar missed some of the checkdowns early, but he started to hit him late, and that started to work. The Vikings didn't adjust much, but the one thing that Lamar has when he's struggling in the pass game, he's got his legs. And the one thing the Ravens did is they started just to play bully ball. They said, all right, we, we're running so many plays. Let's just start wearing these guys down. And you could you could tell by the third fourth quarter it was starting to work, and that's where some of the the quick game and some of the deeper passing um, happens because your guys are getting a little bit more tired, they're more gassed, and the offense for the Ravens were able to take advantage of that. So um, there's a few different things there that that kind of turn the momentum of the game because again going into the second half, Kenny Nuangwu has the kick return for a touchdown. We haven't seen one of those in four years. It was awesome. You start thinking, okay, maybe this team could really, could really put this game away. But they still found a way to not score again until the last drive of the, their last drive of the game to go to overtime. And so, when you get yourself into these lulls and you can't create momentum for yourselves on offense, you're hurting yourself. Because I think it was Eric Eager a couple weeks ago. We talked, we've talked about like defense and how important defenses are, or how how much defenses can be relied on. The Vikings, just like the NFL right now, can't rely on their defense to win them football games anymore. And I don't even mean that as an indictment on Zim. I mean that as in that's just the way the NFL is going. Teams are scoring more points most most weeks. Defenses, from a reliability standpoint, aren't as consistent. It's because it's an offensive league now. So asking your defense to get you some key stops and key situations is, is basically all you can ask from a defense at this point. Don't give up huge chunk plays. 
and make make some key stops. The, in my opinion, the Vikings defense did that, especially when you see in overtime and the Anthony Barr interception. They had an interception in the first half um, with Cameron Bynum. I mean, the Vikings defense gave the offense enough opportunities to put that game away, but the offense just couldn't do it. Yeah, and, and uh, do it. yeah, I mean, yeah, the offense, yeah, I, and yeah, we got this Vikings team that really offensively matched up very well with the Ravens in both the run game and the pass game. Like it was, seemed like a game that like was destined to be a shootout, and it started off looking like the Vikings were going to hold up their end of the bargain and maybe just run the Ravens out of the gym, but they were just a couple like like we see so often and. I think at this point we've seen it often enough to say that it's a Zim thing where like, it seems we just throttle back and it's like, we're going to run, we're going to do a toss. We're going to try a screen, everything just really, really safe because we don't want to jeopardize this lead that we have versus like, we got the lead by throwing a bomb to Justin Jefferson in the first place. And then forgot that Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen were on the team until we needed a score to win again, because, you know, Conklin and Ham, they have to get their touches or this offense <laughs> is obviously going to stop functioning. And right. Yeah. And, you know, you said it, and I'm not going to make you say it again, but like this excuse that, well, you know, they're running cover too. Like, so we just can't get it to our best players. Like that in and of itself seems like it should be a fireball offense for all parties involved. Cause that's just right. a crazy thing to say in the NFL at this point in time. I have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, but I can't figure out how to get them the ball because the other team is putting some safety help over the top. Like that's that's nuts. That's crazy. Like, uh, but anywho, that game was depressing. But we have another game against a team that, like, overall, if you look at you know the power rankings that are out there, we seem to be fairly evenly matched with this Charger team. And in many ways, they are kind of a mirror version of us in that they don't play any normal games. They don't really put teams away. Many of their games are also going to come back, come down to to the absolute wire. Uh, So as you're kind of looking ahead now to this next matchup, what are your thoughts on how you see this game going with uh, the Chargers and the Vikings? To your point, it is one of those situations where you're, you're like, oh, man, you do feel like you match up well. The only concern is that defensive line, for me, the defensive line and then like a Derwin, ja- uh, Derwin James. Those guys, the way that, the way that defense it, it can utilize their talent, um, Brandon Staley, the head coach, um, he's a guy that, that does a really good job with his defense. Um, he's got Joey Bosa. He's got Linval Josephs there. I'm kind of scared or slash excited to see how he handles his former team. Um, I, but like to your point, the Vikings deep uh, offense matches up well with their skill players. You know, we 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 know not many people can guard Justin Jefferson. Not many people can guard Adam Thielen. You know, Dalvin Cook. I don't know what's going on with his situation. I'm assuming he's going to be playing Sunday. Anyway, but like with Dalvin Cook, my my biggest issue with not my biggest issue with this offense. One of my concerns with this offense is. They don't utilize their running backs in the pass game enough. And I would love to find ways to get mismatches. That This is the one thing I wish Dalvin could, like, this is where he's so much so similar to, to Adrian Peterson. Of course, I think Dalvin Cook's a better receiver than Adrian Peterson. But, like, from an overall standpoint, like, Dalvin Cook's not that guy you spread out 
and run run routes with like an Austin Eckler that we're going to see on Sunday or a um, Aaron Jones or an Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, like those guys run legit wide receiver routes and have that impact for their offense that I wish Cook had a little bit more of. But if they're not going to use Cook in that way, maybe Kenny Nwangu can do that because, you know, they didn't use Amir Abdullah that way, which is fine, whatever. That's just me being salty at this point. But, like, you, you drafted Kenny Nwangu. He's the fat – he's – He's probably arguably the fastest player on your team, and he's a guy who's electric with the ball. Why not find creative ways to get him involved in the offense that a defense like the Chargers likely wouldn't expect because it hasn't come on tape yet? So this would be a perfect opportunity to get a guy like him involved on some like jet sweeps, get him in motion, motion him around. I don't, I don't really know how well he can catch because the one thing we haven't, we didn't get to see was him in the preseason because he got hurt basically the first quarter of that first preseason game, but. Um, if he can catch, it'll be a legitimate receiver for this offense. I think that could, you could find creative ways to get him the ball and spell um, Dalvin Cook instead of Alexander Madison needing to, to do that because Madison's not a, isn't really much of, of anything of that. No, ilk. no, no, no. We, we the, the the initial take, uh, and you know, if Flip is is watching or listening, I know this will come back to me uh, tomorrow. But like initially there, you know, running the ball, it didn't look like there was that much of a difference. You know, the, the drop off wasn't so much when you put a Madison in there. But uh, now it just feels like any since the Seattle game, like any touches we give to Madison are basically just like, like negative. We're through, they're, they're negative plays. Yeah. We're like waving the white yeah. flag every time we give yep. Madison touches. So it, it feels at this point, like you've been saying uh, for a while that like we need to get some other guys involved doing some different things, throw a swing pass to your to, Nuangu, like every running back can catch that, even the ones who can't really catch, like right. <laughs> just throw it out there to him in, in the flat and let him be faster than the person in front of him. Um, and like, yeah, let's see what happens. And like looking ahead, looking at these matchups, um, I'm going to ask you, Miles, I'm going to put you on the spot because we know that you are probably the number one Keenan Allen fan in in, in all of the world. Uh, <laughs> but as, as I'm looking at the these matchups. Uh, he does match up. He, he's got a good matchup. Yeah, he, yeah, Keenan in the slot, he 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 makes me nervous. Kind of in this matchup, as you're looking at the 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 offense for the Chargers outside of Keenan Allen, uh, are there any players over there? Uh, you mentioned Austin Eckler as well. Like, who are the players that are making you most nervous about this matchup, this game on the offensive side of the ball that you think maybe could could really blow things open for for the Chargers based on kind of how our defense has looked here of late? I mean, I mean, you got to. Besides Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, I mean, he's a big physical receiver. And the one thing that worries me is a guy like Cameron Dantzler and even Brashad Breeland. I feel like those guys can get bullied a little bit. And they, we've seen it. Um, we've seen, you know, Mari Cooper's not like a bully type receiver, but we've seen him make contested catches against both those guys. We saw DJ Moore do it. We've seen, you know, Mike Williams is a is the prototype, like, X big physical receiver. So, I worry about a guy like Cameron Dancer, not even just because Dancer is slim, but like that's just not his style. Like he doesn't match up that well against a Mike Williams. He's so I worry about that. I do think the Vikings have done a really good job um, of taking away some of the deep shots, um, like other defenses have done toward the Vikings. So I'm not as concerned about the deep shots, but if they can find ways to get Mike Williams solo matchup on the outside against, you know, Breland or, or Dancer, I, I worry about some of those mismatches at times. Um, but the way they've deployed Keenan Allen has been a little bit more like Michael Thomasy. Like it's it's more of like death by a thousand cuts. And I know Keenan Allen's done that throughout his career, but he's also done a really good job of working the the intermediate 
but they haven't used him as as much in that range in this in this new offense. So I'm curious to kind of see how that'll affect because if if he's just gonna be running five yard routes, I don't think he's gonna really kill us in that way the way I like he he typically could. Um, and then you have Austin Eckler, like I mentioned, he's a guy that can run routes. He can he catches the ball really well. Um, they run the ball really well, and they like to run the ball well. So um, with his speed and his ability, his compact ability, he's a guy that worries me a little bit too. If 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 they u- utilize him the right way, but Eric Kendrick should hopefully match up pretty well against him. Yeah, and then like beyond that, like it's it's one of those things I feel like we've talked about in every uh, like kind of preview that we've done is you flip it the other way and the Vikings have a ton of favorable looking matchups in the past right. game as well. We were more aggressive on special teams and tried some things, took some risks that like we often don't take. And I noticed a question you can't actually answer, but like, what do we think it takes for like the, the Vikings to just like let their, their, their nuts hang and just go out and use the fact that we have one of the best wide receiver tandems in the league and just try to throw all over one of these teams that has a suspect secondary as so many teams in the NFL seem to have this season. Yeah. I mean, I think we've said that almost every game this season, like leading into it, the Vikings should expand their passing game and decide to not get rid of the run game. That, that They'll never do that, but not use the run game as their starting point or their like, booster shot or what have you to be the, the art. There it is. The catalyst toward how the, the success of the offense, the run game shouldn't be the catalyst to how your offense is going to perform that day. And what we've seen from the Vikings is if the, if the run game isn't working, everything else seems to crumble. So come instead of focusing on the run game on the, the typical first and tens, second and longs, let's focus on getting the, 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 your two best playmakers involved in JJ and, and Adam Thielen and, um, Conklin has done pretty well. I mean, you can continue to get him involved as well. So there are ways to to utilize your best talent without always having to worry about, you know, I know the, the worry is always like the offensive line. The offensive line has done overall pretty well in, in pass protection, like all things considered. I would like to see more play action, though. I would like to see a little bit more um, maybe even Kirk from, from the gun. And, and more play action, more maybe some of the RPO action. I'm not saying Kirk needs to have a, a run option, but like they they did some of that stuff in 2018. And I John D. Filippo had his warts. That I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to defend John D. D. Filippo, but his philosophy is one that made sense for what they should be trying to do. But he just didn't have the right ability to. Um, to create for his his playmakers essentially kind of worth been as the season went on but i think there's some of that stuff that you could take and 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 utilize that into the offense and find ways to get some shot plays at Je- jefferson and thielen and so i i would just like to see a little bit more of that creativity all right well uh last thing i'm gonna ask you about it then is how do you th- how do you see this one going where do you where do you see do you think the vikings are going to pull it out on the road and uh i guess the other part of it is that after the game, it pretty much seemed near unanimous across Vikings fans on Twitter, on Facebook, really anywhere you could go to find Vikings fans online. That was it. Like, Zimmer's done. He needs to be fired. 
the Wills probably just won't do it until the season is over. Spielman seems to have a little bit more grace with fans. Fans seem to be a little bit like, well, maybe, you know, some of his draft picks got some opportunities to play and, and, and showed out. Uh, in the game. So, you know, some of those late round picks that, you know, Spillman loves to, 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 to collect got out there and did some things. And it looks like we have some talented young players on the roster. Um, and Kirk, this was probably the quietest it's been from like Kirk fan stands in a while where people were just kind of like, eh, you know, that, there was another one of those where, you know, he didn't really grab the game by the ass and take it, take it over. It was just kind of out there, you know, right. looking like he was collecting a paycheck. So, uh, before we get to the, the Chargers game, I guess, how do you see this game going? But then also, like, the dynamics of, like, all of those people who are on, who seem to now be on the hot seat, in the view of the fans anyway. Uh, and if you were a betting person at, at this point, uh, how many of them will still be around, you know, come the off season when we're thinking about, you know, the 2022 season? It's really hard to say. The one thing I've been, I've been kind of going over in my head is in, this isn't even me trying to defend defend Rick, but if I had to make the case for one of them staying, it'd probably be him. Because for me, I think I think it, it's harder to find a good GM because I think the one thing we do know, Rick, if this season tells us anything and the way that the Vikings have been able to stay in games and keep games close with good teams and even bad teams is there's talent on this roster. We see it top to bottom. There's talent at almost every level. You excluding obviously the injuries have, have impacted that. But um, I think it's harder to find, this is just my opinion, harder to find a good GM and talent evaluator than it is to find a good coach. Because I think to your point, if you have the quarterback, sometimes the coach doesn't always have the same kind of impact negatively. So it, it all factors, like it all needs to be cohesive. I think there's that much of it. But I do think if if I had to make the case for one staying, it'd be Rick. Um, Zim, I think it's clear that it's kind of run its course with Zim. Um, his kind of shtick, his kind of spiel, his kind of um, philosophy has run its course. He's not adapted. He hasn't evolved it. He's not willing to grow with the NFL as the NFL is continuing to grow. He just kind of sees it the way he sees it and how it's always been done and needs to be done. So I think it's just kind of run its course there. And then with Kirk, I mean, you kind of – he's doing extension, and I think – as we know, if he's looking for another top dollar um, type of contract, the Vikings just can't do it based off of a four-year sample size of not getting enough. So um, that's just kind of where I'm at in that situation. But um, I know we, we know looking into the Chargers game that it's going to be a close game. I mean, <laughs> I've said it every, I've damn near said it every week. Here we are again. It's going to be a close game. How they find a way to win is all about the offense. And I think that's the – that's always been the key is if Clint and Kirk and if they can come together and make a game plan that can get everybody involved, get some shot plays, they can put their foots on the put put their foot on the throats, that's gonna that's the only way they're really gonna get it done this weekend. Otherwise, we're just gonna be we're, we'll be back here next Tuesday saying, ah shit. Yeah, saying all the same shit. And Daniel, to go back to kind of the point that you've made a couple of times here tonight around the control of the offense and Zim and Kirk and kind of that dynamic. I went, did a little bit of little snooping on, on the Googles over here and found some quotes uh, where it did seem that at the beginning of the season that um, Kirk maybe didn't have as much control as he would like. He made the comments that he did in the press and 
and of uh, Justin Jefferson, Clint Kubiak, and others have kind of spoken out since saying that Kirk does have a bit more freedom. He is able to see those one-on-one matchups and he has the freedom to change the plays and do what he needs to. And Clint's even quoted as saying there's been a couple times. Uh, and this is from an article from October 20th, where, where Clint is basically saying that there's been uh, more than a, a few occasions over the course of the season where Kirk had to play, saw something on defense, switched it to something else, got them to a better play and was able to, to make, uh, a good situation out of one that started off badly. So it looks like, uh, yeah, at the beginning of the season, maybe Kirk was a bit more handcuffed than he should have been as a 10-year vet, but uh, that they've opened things up and he has the freedom to to do some things, change some things. Um, and I guess when things go well, that means Kirk exercised that freedom. And when things don't go well, it means maybe Kirk doesn't have that freedom anymore if you let him tell it. And uh, I don't know if that works for me, if that's supposed to be you know a captain, leader of my team, and the highest paid player. But, you know, different strokes for different folks, I guess. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all. We hope that, you know, this game this week, this it goes a little bit different. Uh, we hope we can come back and maybe celebrate some things here, talk about a Vikings win, talk about this team playing up to expectations. But at this point, it really feels like we're just kind of playing out the string and waiting for everybody to get fired on this one until they prove us yep. otherwise. So, uh, I don't know. Skull? Hey, I don't know. Dave, <laughs> come on in. Wind us down. I know <laughs> Tell I us mean. what's coming up this week. <laughs> That's funny. Tomorrow night, we have a special guest on Vikings Happy Hour, Mr. Ali Sadiqi. You've seen him on Twitter everywhere. He is probably the nicest Vikings fan next to Mary that we have ever talked about or met. He will join the guys tomorrow night over a few beverages of choice. And, of course, I'll be having my own. And we're going to be talking some Vikings. And then come Thursday, we might not have Viking hot takes because I believe one of the fine gentlemen has something going on. I will double-check that to make sure. But, of course, on Saturday, you have two old bloggers. Well, we'll break down the numbers and show you how... I want to keep saying San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers, bolt up, baby, are almost the exact same team as the Minnesota Vikings. So this should be an interesting one down in L.A. And I do know Flip will be going to that game, and he isn't the only one. So we get broadcasts. And Mary in here, if uh, if Thursday's not going down, call up Daniel, call Mary, get him in here to uh, to save the day. We should. See what we can figure out. (laughs) But on uh, Sunday after the game, we're going to get live broadcast from the Sci-Fi, Wi-Fi, SoFi, whatever the hell the name of that stadium is in L.A. So it should be fun. Yes, indeed. Well, you know what time it is, Dave. Play the music, man. Play it. Play the music. School, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climb in the Pocket. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.